I am here for your super fun facts. This is Tall Can Audio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. It's a, it's a toasty studio today. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, our pal, Michaela Schreider, across the table. What's going on, Screeds? Oh, you know, Matt, I am I am prepared. I'm feeling warm already. I'm feeling the heat. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I, I was saying before the show, I brought no notes. So we're, we're no notes, just vibes. Just today. vibes. Just vibes. Okay, I like that. Uh, just vibes and pints. Obviously. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I just got back. I, I had mentioned on the previous episode, uh, you know, was down in Oshawa over the weekend, uh, attended a little, little one-year-old's birthday party. That was, that was kind of fun. Uh, went and saw the uh, Oshawa Generals get their asses handed to them, so that was kind of fun. less fun. Yeah. <laughs> but while I was gone, uh, here in my condo building, they switched the air conditioning over to heating, and I had left it on uh, while I was gone. So when I got back, the... Uh, the whole place is a little toasty, including the studio here, but we're going to power through and you we will uh, we'll use the pints to help us do that. I was going to say cold beer yes. is the perfect antidote. And you have reached into the magic fridge. You have come away with something. What do you got going here today? I am so excited about this. I saw that you had, or you you pointed out to me that you had some left field right. beers and I am helpless before a left field <laughs> beer. Uh, so I went with the Center Cut uh, Exploratory IPA series. Exploratory. Is, right? Um, Center Cut number two mm. and it is 6%. So nice. it is a strong beer, as they say. Yes. And uh, I always like to do this. But just oh, a weekend. They didn't, oh, they didn't do the thing that Leftfield does where they're like, hey, here's the ballpark foods that pair with this. But oh, they do often put that right on the label. It's yeah, kind of cool. They didn't do that this time, but yeah. that's okay. It smells delicious. I love all their IPAs, so I'm looking forward to this one. So that comes from, as you mentioned, Leftfield, and we put in an order from there uh, a few weeks ago when Dan Schulman was on the podcast because he had tied his name and had worked on a beer with uh, Jay's manager, John Schneider, over at the brewery. Um, that one's called Frozen Rope. Nice, juicy IPA. Oh, nice. But I think I've polished those off. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, but uh, that was fun. And so we ordered a few different things from there. I think I still got a brown ale sitting there. I might try a little later. Uh, we got lots of stuff to uh, to get into. And uh, speaking of lots of stuff, Screeds, we got a big week coming up here. It's going to be a busy week here. I got something new. There's one I've been teeing up for a little bit. And one that's going to be new to everybody here today. Uh, Lever Sage coming back in. Lever. 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 Uh, he has been on a few times over the summer, especially since, uh, stepping away, stepping away. He was asked to step away from, uh, TSN 1200. Uh, he's been making some trips in here to do this, uh, ever since then. And, um, so he'll be in on Wednesday afternoon and we'll drop that for you on, uh, on Thursday morning. And then, uh, Steve Bunda coming back in here on Thursday. Shrides, you know, I'm sure all about UFC 294 this Saturday. I have extensive knowledge on the subject. Just vibes. Just vibes. Just vibes. Um, That is a huge card, locked and loaded. When they go over to Abu Dhabi, they always stack it up. Uh, I think that that show every year that they go is paid for by like uh, the royal family. And so, because they're just big fans, and so they make sure to send some big names. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And 90%, I can say. It's It's not confirmed yet. But Graham Creech might join us for that one. Oh, big name. Yeah, yeah. That's it a star-studded uh, lineup. I, I know, love it. I know. And Are you uh, going to talk to Bunda about horror movies? We probably will have to. You have to. Um, he is running his uh, usual marathon that I think started as like a, 
I don't know, a two week thing leading up to Halloween. And now every year it's gotten longer and longer. I think he starts in like mid September at this point. You think uh, I am a basic white fall girl? <laughs> Steve Bunda loves his spooky season. He really and does. He and I talk about horror movies all the time. I, I love horror movies, not as much as he does. Right. But I love them. And uh, hearing him. You know when you're you're listening to someone talk about something that they are so interested and passionate about, and yeah. you just can't help but like feel giddy right. for them. That's how I feel listening to Steve Bunda talk about <laughs> horror movies. He will insist that that uh, that that comes up, and um, he and Creech actually started coming on the pod around the same time during the pandemic when everyone was just sitting at home. Except the UFC started up again, right? They were, if you recall, one of the first sports because. You know, if you're a sport that's they're just punching people in the head, what's a virus while you're at it or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Exactly. Um, so they got up and going. And so Creech and Bunda would come on remotely. And uh, then we did a couple in person when things lightened up. And now as the uh, the schedule has been scrambled multiple times at uh, TSN 1200, if one of them's working, the other's not mm. and vice versa. So it's been hard to get them in at the same time. But it looks like. As long as JR, and if you're listening to this, JR, don't be an <laughs> asshole here, okay? As long as Creech doesn't get sent to Sen's practice on uh, on Thursday, he will join Bunda and I. So that one will be fun. Like I said, we'll drop that uh, on Friday. I just realized I've been rambling about all this. I haven't opened my beer yet. The most important part, exactly. Matt. We got to get to this. So this Cam- is from Cameron's. And I haven't had, I, I've had their stuff a bunch of times, but not lately. Mm. I, for whatever reason, it hasn't made its way into the, the magical fridge out there. Um, but this is their... What did we decide? It is their... Heaven... Heaven Weissen. Heaven Weissen. No, I'm not even going to do it. You you, you had it. Heaven (laughs) Weissen. Yes. It sounds... Rock the Bells, I believe Rock the Bells. It is a wheat beer. And uh, so looking forward to it. I don't mind every now and then a a wheat beer. Shrides, it is fall. And uh, you you have already sort of pointed out... I posted a photo of a nice... A nice pumpkin spice latte ale. And uh, you were not down with that, despite being down with just about everything else fall. Yes, I love everything about fall minus the pumpkin beers. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Pumpkin beers taste like candles. Um, how is it that you are so sure of that? Listen, Matt, what I do on my own. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's my business. <laughs> okay. No, and I, I will every year. I, I used to do the same thing with pumpkin spice lattes because I also don't love pumpkin spice lattes. Right. Believe it or not. Okay. Um, but every year I would order one and then remind myself, oh, yeah, I don't like oh, these. Right. So I do the, kind of the same thing with pumpkin beer every year. But it's it's more just like I know I'm not going to like it, but I feel like I got to try it because it is the season. Yes. And every brewery comes out with a pumpkin beer. I feel like I should try it. So Josh and I usually do a sampler. We call it Sampler Sunday. Yeah. And we threw a pumpkin beer from Big Rig in this week. Mm. And it actually wasn't bad. Again, still... It still tastes like a candle, okay. but like it. But this was less candly. Yeah, like it, it was also a porter, which is also not Ooh. super. I feel like it had Matt's name yep. written all over yep. it. Um, so it wasn't my style to begin with, but you know, I'm, I'm sure someone who likes that style, who likes pumpkin beers, would have really liked it. But <laughs> okay. yeah, I just I cannot, I cannot get on board with the pumpkin beers. I wish I could. Yeah. What is uh, you know we're gonna get into we got lots to cover today actually the beginning of the NHL season we got PWHL news we got uh, Canadian soccer stuff going on we got lots to cover but before we do um, what have you been doing with your fall I, I was gonna check and I just ran out of time today I was trying to remember the last time you were in studio oh, Lord. and. You did the show for me. You really helped me out a couple times over the summer. You did it remotely so I could stay at the lake and not have to come back here. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, it can't be all the way back to February when you and Vanessa were in here uh, promoting your uh, trivia night. Oh I know my you were in God. here. It, it, 
Have you been incensed? It It might be. That's the one I, the last one I can remember for sure. I know I did a lot of virtual because I moved my studio, my virtual studio into my bar. And I know, right? (laughs) I regret nothing. Um, And I want to say the last like three times I recorded with you, because I know I was on for the World Cup. Yep. uh, And I feel like I was on outside of that, um, probably leading up to it. But Oh, I'm sure we did a few. Yeah. There's been at least two or three over the summer that we did virtually, but I just can't remember if you were in studio between February and and then or not. Maybe Uh, maybe It's been a while. I I missed it here. This is fun. And I'm glad when you come in. These are always cool when you're you're in studio. Uh, You talked about moving your, your show or your studio into the bar. Um, were you able to move any Toronto bars into your work, into your fandom when you were down there? I know you were down just past uh, a couple weeks ago, the Canadian women's soccer team, a qualifier. Um, and we will get into that, but did you have the chance to sample any, any other new beers while you were down there? Check anything out? Yeah. You know what? Um, it was a very quick trip. So Vanessa and I went down, uh, with our friend Katie G, who's also a massive soccer fan and her mom and, and sister. So it was a, it was a nice little road trip. Nice. And we, we drove down the Tuesday morning. We stayed over Tuesday night, obviously went to the game and then drove back Wednesday. So it was a very quick trip. Okay. Um, but before the game, we went to Liberty Commons in Liberty Village, mm-hmm. which is uh, also known as Big Rock Brewery. Uh, nice. And I I want I tried a Pilsner from them because mm-hmm. it was on like the happy hour and it was very tasty. And then I tried one of their IPAs and for the life of me, I'm so sorry. I can't remember what it's <laughs> called, but it was very tasty. And I love this. Is one of my favorite spots in Liberty Village because especially before a game, because BMO Field is right there. Before a game, everyone's at local and everyone's at craft. Mm -hmm. And then you walk literally one block down the street to Big Rock and no one, like like it's it's busy, but it's not so busy that you can't get a table. So it's kind of like for whatever reason, this little hidden gem, but it's very well known. Um, But because it's kind of tucked away at a site, people just don't think to stop there. Right. So we, we went there before the game and then we went there after as well. And then while, this was actually my first game of any sport at BMO Field. Oh, really? Um, I, gr- I actually was very impressed with the venue. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, it's it's a, a Budweiser, Labatt yeah, sure. yeah. Um, uh, venue, so that's the only beer you can get there. But <laughs> we were sitting in our seats, and we had entered in the main concourse area, walked up to our seats, and then there's like any stadium, there's a second-level concourse area, which we were a little closer to in our seats. Mm-hmm. And I remember right before the game, I was going to go grab myself a beer, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they have any beer venues up here. <laughs> and I walk directly like right behind our seats was the entrance to the second level concourse i walk into the second level concourse there's no one there and a massive bar with like every mbev beer you could imagine okay. i was like yes they do have beer up here. <laughs> um and i had mill street's hazy ipa which again i don't remember what the specific name of yeah. it was but it was from mill street i mean you know anytime you're in a a, a stadium you're not going to get super local craft beers, right. but as far, like, you know, that they had Goose Island, they had tons of Mill Street beers. Um, you know, Labatt was the one who kind of bought up a lot of those bigger yes. craft breweries. So I, I do like it when a stadium is has a deal with them because you at least have a bit of a better selection. Yep. Um, I so, think I had a bunch of Mill Street in there when I was down. The Leafs held that outdoor game mm-hmm. out there once. And I can remember, I'm pretty sure I drank Mill Street all day down there at that point. Yep. Uh, don't remember exactly where we stumbled across. Because you're right, most of the stands as you're coming in and whatever are all just your standard Canadian Budweiser or whatever it might be. Um, actually, I was at, like I said, the Jenny's game on on Sunday night and uh, I knew there was not going to be any craft. I was sitting in a box, a nice suite, you know, looking down on the commoners. And uh, <laughs> the 
woman who was working that box came up and asked us if we wanted a beer and, and I knew there wasn't going to be craft. So I think I just said like, I'll just have a Canadian or whatever, which is my go-to, you know, whatever. And, uh, she goes, Oh no, we don't have Canadian. I'm like, Oh, what do you have? And she's like, Moosehead, Budweiser. And I was like, Oh, oh boy. Like, oh, no. even, I guess I'm drinking Budweiser tonight. And that probably kept me on the street and narrow a little better. Anyway, you didn't have this desperate desire to keep having more and more, but, uh, yeah, no, I, BMO is, I've only been in there once or twice. I think once was a concert and the other time was this outdoor game, but pretty cool little venue. Now, sometimes it's, it's a little cold. Like I said, this was New Year's Day. The wind was coming off oh, the lake yeah. pretty, uh, pretty hard that day, but fun place to uh, see an event. And the event you saw was the Canadian women's soccer team trying to qualify for the Olympic games, uh, with a couple games against Jamaica. We talked about that before you, uh, went down there, uh, or long before you went down there coming out of the world cup and sort of a what's next for team Canada kind of thing. And I feel like I think I got this figured out, Shrides. I think you were in studio for that one. I do believe you were here okay. sometime in mid-August, maybe when I was back for a week or something like that after the World Cup. Uh, anyway. We figured it out. How was the uh, the vibe around the stadium? Did they get a good crowd out of it? Uh, you know, what was it like being down there? It was amazing. Nice. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, it was a sold out crowd. Uh, so BMO Field was packed, which was really, really great to see because I'm sure I've talked about it on this show before, but one of the biggest issues with Canada soccer is that the Canadian women's soccer team uh, doesn't get a ton of home games. Mm-hmm. They didn't get a send-off game before the World Cup. Um, there's been a, a significant lack of friendlies and uh, home games for this team <clears throat> Excuse me, to practice uh, before they go off to major tournaments, and that's been a huge problem. And you know, Canada Soccer talked about how they didn't have any money for the the fall camps, and so we were really concerned about that. But having these two games against Jamaica at home was great, and to see well, I was sorry, the one game at, uh, against Jamaica at home, the the other one was a closed match uh, in Jamaica. Um, I th- did I, am I crazy? I thought they were both supposed to be in. I anyway. thought so too originally, yeah. and then um, I guess that didn't. If I'm recalling sense, correctly, they weren't uh, yeah. the, the obviously the one in Toronto, but then there there are two uh, friendlies coming up against Brazil in Halifax and Montreal at the end of Montreal at the end of uh, October. Halifax sold theirs out, didn't they? Already? They sure did. Yeah, okay. they sure did. Nice. So yeah, Toronto sold out. The crowd was amazing. The best part, I mean, th- there were so many great parts of this game, but just to give you a sense of like like the crowd and 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 how reactive they were. Christine St. Clair subbed on in the second half and when she started warming up and it was very clear that she was probably going to sub on soon there started to be like this chatter in the crowd and like oh my god there she is there she is she's warming up and then when she started walking over to the area where she would be subbed on the crowd started getting a little rowdy and then when they (laughs) subbed her on like they just like the roar and the shake of of the stadium was pretty intense so uh, it was it was great to see uh, Christine St. Clair get some love from a home crowd because you know she really I I you know, I don't think she's gotten enough of it since winning the World Cup. Some of her ce- the celebration games weren't marketed the way that they should have been. Right. Uh, but this one, this one sold out. She got some love. This team got some love. Uh, so that was really great to see. And, and they won. And they won. <laughs> and Canada did qualify for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So you and I talked about that. That was far from a given. Like this Jamaican team has been on the come, right? And and been improving. Canada wasn't going to have the training camps that they were supposed to in the fall to get prepared. They were going to be kind of coming in under the gun. Um, obviously, they got the win. In your mind, did they look good doing it or did it look like they're, they, it, you know, it was sort of disorganized or like how did the, the game itself play out, do you think? They, they both, uh, I didn't see as much of the first game um, as I wanted to because it was the same night as a Red Blacks game. But uh, in 
both games, especially the one I saw, this looked like a very different Team Canada from what we saw in the World Cup, mm-hmm. which is in a good way because yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we didn't love what we saw we in the World not. Cup. Um, they obviously they won the first game uh, 2-0. And then the second game, 2-1, uh, which is what we wanted. Was, it was an aggregate score between the two of them. So, mm-hmm. like, the Canada was in a good position going into the game right? Um, in uh, in Toronto, which was great to see. Um, but, yeah, no, they actually looked fantastic. They were, they were much more uh, organized. They were much more cr- clean and crisp with their passing. And I felt like they were more aggressive on offense, which is not something we've typically seen from Canada, even in the Olympics when they won. Like, they're a set-piece team. They're not like the U.S. who kind of charge at you right. uh, on offense. Canada it's, plays a very sound defensive game and waits for you to make mistakes. But I felt like in these games against Jamaica, they were a little, a touch more aggressive uh, than we've seen in the past. And uh, Chloe Lacasse scored in, in, in this game, as did Jordan Heidema, which was really great because I felt like Jordan Heidema was kind of on the cusp of, of scoring throughout the World Cup. And it was great to see her finally get a goal. Um, and then when Sink subbed on, Christine Sinclair had two very solid scoring chances uh, when she was on the pitch. I feel like the team is trying to get her those goals, sure. right? Like we want to increase that Pat 190 that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she looked really, really good. And, you know, we've talked a lot on, on She's Got Game and, and you on know. What? In, Sorry, where's that? She's Got Game on the TSN Radio Network. Oh. Okay. And wherever you get your pod- uh, podcast. Nice. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, but we talked on this show too, like, you know, she's nearing the end of her career. Everyone's kind of waiting for when will she retire? But I, I don't think she's ready to retire. I still think she looks great. I still think she's effective. She doesn't play the same role she used to. She obviously doesn't play full games, but nor do a lot of players. And, and I saw in this game, like she very much still has a place in this team. She's a really effective player. Um, but yeah, overall, this team looked great. I heard you mention on said, uh, she's got game program on, uh, the TSN radio network that, Basically that, that you didn't feel like she was done. And mm-hmm. do you think that now that Canada is qualified for the Olympics, that that weighs into it at all, that it's worth hanging around now? Do you think had they not qualified, there was a bigger chance she might have stepped away? Like, what do you think the odds are we see her in Paris next summer? I think they're pretty good. Yeah. I, 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 maybe I'm speaking optimistically, but sure. I, I do feel like she... The way that the World Cup ended is not how she wants to end her career with Team Canada. Right. And who could blame her? No. It was not a great tournament. Um, Canada has way more luck in the Olympics, and they just perform better in the Olympics than they do the World Cup for whatever what reason. That? Yeah, that's so weird. People have tried. Like The team has talked about it. Soccer experts have talked about it. Like it, It's obviously a different tournament. The World Cup's a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um there's something about the Olympics that just jives really well because it's been across coaches too, right? Yeah, it was under yeah. John Herdman and Bev Priestman. Like, it's it's this weird enigma that we can't really <laughs> describe. But I think she does want to have a more successful tournament to finish off her career. I, I've said on the show, as you probably heard, like you know we've seen it. We there's a lot of fanfare going on for Megan Rapinoe right now, who's retiring, and I think Christine Sinclair sees that and goes, "I don't want any of that." <laughs> if she had it her way, she would just disappear. Right. We would not hear from her. She would not announce her retirement. She, I think, she would sit at the podium after a game and go, "Oh, by the way, that was my last game. Peace out." <laughs> but Vanessa and I have talked about this, like she's going to be convinced otherwise. She's yeah. going to be convinced. You have to at least have some sort of farewell for the fans, not for you. Right. The same reason she wrote a book, which you could tell she didn't want to do. Like, I think she's going to be convinced to, to have some sort of farewell to her, as small as it may be. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think she will announce her retirement in advance. Maybe it will be before the Olympics because at least she, like in her mind, she she probably thinks like, oh, no one can. It's not at home, so it's not going to be this big right. deal on me, right? But I, you know, Sink never likes to take focus away from her team. Uh, so I, I do think she'll be. All that is to say, I do think she will be at the Olympics. You know, where she goes from there, who you know, knows, it would be perfect. But, as I interrupt you, as yeah. I do that from time to time, <laughs> that for someone like her, she doesn't want to do the big tour. She doesn't want to you know, all the attention that comes with the send off and all this sort of stuff. Announce it right before the Olympic Games. If the, if that is indeed when she wants to wrap it up, let her carry the flag into the stadium. <sighs> there you go. That's everybody's oh chance to to appreciate her, let her lead the team in the whole Olympic, you know, yes. uh, delegation. Please. That's the perfect way to do it. That's how you celebrate Christine Sinclair. I should know this, but I don't. Has she been the flag bearer before? I feel like she was a flag bearer at the closing It's possible in London, maybe, right? The closing? Yeah. After they had that big performance? It is the year of our Lord 2023. I can Google it while you're It's talking. a long time <laughs> to remember things. Shrides, I'm getting old, too, as we sit here. And so it's possible, but that doesn't mean you couldn't do it. I'm pretty sure it hasn't you happened. Do it again. Opening. Yeah. No, do exactly. it again. For right. the love of God. Who's really going to have a problem with that? So. Exactly. So what does happen next for this um, this women's team. You said they have more friendlies coming up. Um, they're still, I, I don't know, maybe the, the, the temperature on this has been turned down a little bit, but they're still at war with their uh, their NSO, their organization. Um, you know, what? what is the road to Paris look like for them? Uh, you were absolutely right. She was the flag bearer at the closing ceremonies in London, by okay. the way, just to, to get to address the people who are yelling at their <laughs> at their podcast right now. Um, that's a great question. So, like I said, Canada has a couple of friendlies against Brazil at the end of the month, one in Halifax, one in Montreal. Um, Vanessa and I will be at the one in Montreal nice. once again with our friend Katie G. Um, right. And again, like they looked a lot better from from a soccer standpoint. They looked a lot better. I feel a lot more positive about this team than I did after the World Cup, which is great. It's amazing how two games will change that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, you know, the battle with Canada soccer rages on, but not just with the women's team, but the men's no, team. The so. men's team very recently voiced their displeasure with Canada soccer and... Uh, then went and got pasted by the Japanese. Yeah. Like I, I, I said it with the World Cup and I'll say it again. Like we can't look at the performances of either the men's or the women's team and not put some of the blame on Canada soccer for not properly preparing these teams for these tournaments. Mm-hmm. And my concern as a fan is that are they going to have the proper preparation heading into the to the Olympics? Right. Um, I, it's it's time for this team to stop succeeding in spite of their federation and start succeeding because of their federation or with the help of their federation. Um, so that can't be overstated enough. You're a dreamer. I like that. Right? Right? (laughs) What a crazy idea. (laughs) So I I don't know whether I'm optimistic or not on that front because, you know, we've seen a lot of change at Canada Soccer. We've we've seen Charmaine Cooks come in as uh, the head of the organization. Um, We also saw a lot of criticism of her appointment because she was part of the regime that, that created this right. problem in the first place right yeah. that canada soccer business deal is still there and it still sucks it really does um so who knows where we'll go from there but i think we just they they they, they don't look for i'll say this in february uh at the she believes cup when they took on the states and brazil and japan and uh i saw them uh play in, in orlando against the states like mm-hmm. that was a team 
deflated because they had they were literally days removed from speaking in front of a parliamentary committee right. testifying about how their their federation had you know, not standard prep for a yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and th- those players just looked exhausted i am not since i don't see that same exhaustion level from them like fi- like in interviews and stuff mm-hmm. um we've we've spoken to a couple of their players and 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 i've seen in other interviews with their players there seems to be a more positive they're not saying much but they're at least a little more optimistic of like yeah we continue to work towards getting a deal done whereas before it was like this is asinine and we can't continue playing like this <laughs> like the, the the message has seemed to shift a little more positive which i'm very i'm very optimistic about that but again, it's kind of a I'll believe it when I see it situation. Sure. Anything else on the Canadian soccer front we should touch on before we move us along here? Or? I mean, it's worth noting that their friendlies against Brazil are great because it's an opportunity to see Marta as well, mm-hmm. who is also nearing the end of her career. I, I believe she'll be playing. I know this was her last World Cup, but I don't think she's officially retired or done with the Brazil team yet. Right. Um, so seeing two legends like Christine St. Clair and Marta play is, is always a privilege. So I'm really looking forward What's to that. What's the venue in Montreal? I do not recall it's not off the, the top o, of my right? head. It's not the big O, but it's Good. near it. Okay. If that helps. Oh, the, <laughs> I, the not again, as nice part of No Montreal. notes, yeah. just vibes. Just vibes. That's fair. <laughs> uh, you did mention a couple of minutes ago the uh, that you had missed one of the Canada games because it was a Red Blacks night. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, you got the Mouchoir podcast covering the Red Blacks. Um, just, just for a minute. Just, okay. just for a minute. Sure. Uh, because in very cruel fashion... This season, they have one game left, but it's two weeks from now. They have a bye week. Everybody gets to sit and wait for two weeks before this thing finally gets dragged out and given the old yeller treatment behind the shed. Fun fact, it is on the same day as the Montreal game for Canada's Okay. So that's going to make things real interesting for me. Yeah, seriously. Not really, though. You just go to the good game. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm definitely going to the soccer game, and then yeah. Vanessa and I are going to do our best to make it back for the oh, okay. game. So we'll see. Yeah, fair enough. Um I don't know. The season has clearly well long ago gone off the rails. Um, just a, a quick thought or a note on what, what has gone so wrong once again this year. <sighs> this like this is the question that we have tried to answer on Mouchoir, and I've tried to answer anytime I talk about it, and I don't know because it's the same problems, really, that have plagued them for the last four years. The defense is good for the most part. They're doing their job. They, you know, a, a major injury to your starting quarterback in Jeremiah Masoli is not something you can control for. Mm-hmm. But not having a solid starter, starting quarterback who's proven himself, who's not learning, like with all due respect yeah, to you Justin Crum, running your whole season, not your fourth string guy, basically. Here. Yeah, it's, it's a disaster. you know that doesn't help. But like they've changed general managers, they've changed coaching staff mm-hmm. twice, they've changed a lot of players on the actual roster yeah. and yet it's the same stuff and I don't know how to explain it and I don't know what the solution is but I like I I, I don't know okay <laughs> all well, is to say like I'm, I'm like scratching my head banging my head against the wall because like I just don't know what it is with this team I think it's karma because we oh, wow. made the the Red Blacks made the Grey Cup three times in their first five years of existence. That was awesome, right? I and vaguely since, remember that. <laughs> since then, since 2018, it's been a garbage fire. Yes. And I think this is just the sports gods going. You know what? You Balance, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you one last thing on the Red Blacks, and let me frame it this way: mm-hmm. your level of disappointment, your level of pissed off, your level of frustration. 
and let me put it through this lens. Have you and Josh discussed whether or not you will be renewing your season tickets next year? That is a very interesting question. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not. We're probably going to continue renewing our season tickets yeah. because it's one of those things that the cost is still fairly low, all things considered. Mm-hmm. That it's nice having, and if you don't go to the game, give your tickets away. Like it's a nice night out, yep. all that. However, this is one of the first years that I remember where almost every single game I was like, I don't want to go. <laughs> like I, I, I just don't want to sit there and watch bad football for two hours. Right. And it's not even that fun anymore. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I don't know how else to explain it. Like it, it, it really sucks. Like I, I, I think that, listen, like I get that being a sports fan is not, you know, you're only following the team or supporting the team when they win, but like, just be competitive, be entertaining. And aside from, like, the last game, which they lost, but it was actually moderately entertaining. Yes. Uh, mostly because it was so comically bad at times. <laughs> um, it's it's getting really hard to justify driving all the way to uh, Lansdowne on a Friday night and then driving all the way home. You know, we live far away. It is. This has probably been one of the toughest years as a season ticket holder, if I'm being honest with you. And it's one of those times where, like... We've heard it all so many times. I mean, we've been guilty of saying it over and over on this show, the great presentation. Like, it's fun to be down at the stadium, and they do a nice job. It's a cool place to spend a Friday night. Mm-hmm. This is this is maybe the first year I don't see anyone saying that, right? Like, there's yeah. always been this, almost like this um, default defense of the organization, right? Like, they're, they're trying, they're working on it, and at least we still have this part of it that makes it enjoyable. And people aren't saying that anymore, right? And and it's not because suddenly they're doing a bad job at game ops or around the stadium or anything like that. It's just, yeah, I don't care. Get me a win. Get me a good football game, right? Like, get me an enjoyable... The part that I'm looking at on the field and not just, like, the dancing dogs at halftime or whatever. Yeah. Like, we need <laughs> winning football. And until I'm sort of done giving them the benefit of the doubt, it seems to sort of be the vibe right now. Like, I, I, I asked you the question through that lens because I am seeing more and more people. And sometimes, like, fans just go online and vent. I, I yeah. understand that. But reasonable people that I follow who have never questioned their loyalty, I don't know if I want to keep paying for this, right? And that's not, like fuck these guys, I'll never be back. But like, show me something and then maybe yeah. you'll get my money again kind of thing, right? Like, And that's what makes it so tough is like, I can't fault the organization for not trying because like they changed so much. That's right. Right? They tried to address this and the same stuff keeps happening. So like, I feel bad thinking that way, but it's absolutely true. Like, is this really where you want? Like, there's so much else going on right now. Sports are back in full swing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're we're fully out from a sports lens anyway. We're yeah. out of that, like, pandemic transition time. There's so many more options. Shit is expensive. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. like, to do anything right now, including buy groceries and gas, <laughs> is wildly <laughs> expensive. Yeah. You know, disposable income has never been more precious mm-hmm. and to ask people to spend their disposable income on a night that's not going to be very entertaining is getting harder and harder. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I, I totally get, we're, we're in the same boat. Like, is this really where we want to be spending our time? Right. Uh, quickly, before we move on to uh, some PWHL talk, some WNBA talk, look, a lot, maybe some NHL talk, I wanted to bring, I sent you an article there yesterday about Kim Ng stepping away from the Florida Marlins. And let's not pretend that either one of us sit here and watch a lot of Florida Marlins baseball over, yeah, <laughs> over the course of the summer. <laughs> but back during the pandemic, I believe it was um, November or December of 2020, 
uh, when you were co-hosting the show more regularly, was when she was hired and she became the first ever woman to have a position that high up in management in any of the four major North American men's sports, right? So she was general manager of the Marlins, well-respected, had been around the game for a long time and brought in and the Marlins this year made the playoffs and it comes with a caveat that I think is fair, but in a, for the first time in a full season, because they made it in the shortened pandemic season of 2020, but a lot of people made it that year. They expanded the playoffs and crazy stuff happened. She built this thing into a very competitive organization, which they have not been since 2003. And the uh, ownership has decided to go out and they wanted to add someone above her. And we see this a lot in hockey now, right? Where there's a GM, but then there's also a president of hockey ops who's probably the one really calling the shots, but you don't normally see that person get installed out of nowhere. Like they've never had this person or at least not for the last several years. And now you're going to install this person above Kim Ng and she decided, uh, no. And (laughs) walked away. I'm good. I'll, I'll find another job. My resume has only gotten better in this position. And so I don't know specifically, and I don't want to accuse the Marlins of anything other than what they've actually done here, which is decide we want to put someone above her. I don't want to accuse them that this is because she's a woman. We don't know that, right? They hired her when presumably they knew she was a woman when they hired her and she's done a good job there. But you do wonder if that played into it at all. This decision, like we wouldn't do this to a more established, what do we call them in hockey? The 200 hockey men, right? We wouldn't suddenly disrespect one of them by putting someone above them out of nowhere. And to her credit, like we said, she just decided, yeah, no, that's not the way I signed. She had an out in her contract after uh, this season, and that's not what I signed up to do. I'm out. Uh, I just was curious if you had any kind of thoughts on her walking away, um, what it says about her, maybe what it says about where the industry's at, if anything. And I can't imagine she'll be unemployed long, yeah. but uh, it was an interesting story to see that they tried to install someone above her after her most successful season. And I'll be honest, so I, I haven't been following baseball as closely as I've, I've liked to this year. Or in, and in general, it's not the sport I follow the most. But right. is it common? Because like we have Mark Shapiro and Ross Adkins, right? And sure. So that's the same kind of structure. Is that really common in baseball now? It is, and, but that, or it is, excuse me. But Shapiro brought in Atkins. Atkins wasn't there and then had Shapiro oh, slid okay. in over top of him later. Like that's sort of why Anthopolis left is they hired um, – they had a president, Paul Beeston, and Alex liked working for him. Beeston left. They hired Shapiro, and uh, Anthopolis kind of went, yeah, not as crazy about you, and yeah. uh, and walked away. Yeah, it's like it's I don't I don't know that it I, it's hard to say like what why the Marlins would do this, and if it had anything to do with her performance, I I would assume not because again like. She did very well. Yeah, turned <laughs> them did, around. Yeah, she turned things around. She she made Couple the playoffs. Great deals at the trade deadline that helped get them over the hump. And yeah, like it's overall, I think her performance is really great. There's this very small part of me that is kind of happy she stepped down versus getting fired. Because sure. anytime a woman's hired in these roles, I'm like, oh, the day she gets because like all of these GMs are going to get fired one day. Hundred percent. All these coaches are going to get managers are going to get fired one day. And you just know that as soon as a woman steps into this role, the second she's fired, it's going to be, well, that's because women can't do this job. So there's a small part of me that's like very happy she stepped away. (laughs) But, you know, it's imagine having the ability to do what you want in a job and then knowing that you're bringing in an extra boss. You don't know how you're going to jive with them. You don't know if 
you're going to get along with them, but they're going to have the same vision as you. And, and according to her statement, um, the vision of, of the Marlins going forward from ownership was not what she agreed on. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't blame her for being like, you know what? I don't feel like having to report to someone who may not see things the way I do when I've already done this job myself. Like, why am I not also a candidate for that president job? Yeah, like, that's fair. If there's now going to be someone at the We've created a new top level. Well, I've been the top level here for a bit. Should I not get at least an interview to become this new president figure and I'll hire a GM underneath me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But you're right. She won't be unemployed for long. Um, Already talked that the Red Sox are interested. They just fired their GM not too long ago. Just this little known team like the Red Sox. Yeah. Not exactly the Marlins, right? Slightly, yeah. slightly stepped <laughs> a up. From, step up, yeah. And that I think that would be so great to have a female GM in one of the most prominent teams in the league and in the world. Yes. Like that's one of the biggest brands in the world. Yeah. What an awesome thing for and and, and well deserved for Kim Ng. Like she earned that. You cannot. Oh argue yeah, she's been around forever. Oh yeah, working all kinds of jobs in baseball until finally getting her break and and yeah, just. I got a ton of respect for somebody who's just going, look, yeah, it's your team. You have the right to hire whoever you want. Mm -hmm. But my contract says I have an out right now. I don't love the way this is going, and I I don't want to do this the way you're about to do it. So see ya. Peace out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think it's a great move by her. Boss move, for sure. (laughs) Uh, I hope she she ends up. Not that I love the Red Sox, but like I I think that would be a really great move. Um, The only thing is uh, Boston fans are not known to be super chill. Right. Uh, so there's, I would worry for her truth to that. Yeah. There's a little bit of truth there. Uh, I would worry for her in that sense. Um, <laughs> but I think like what a great opportunity for her to go and, and prove herself in one of the biggest markets in the world. Yeah. I need a new beer. We'll get into some more hockey. Stay there. Woo-hoo! Beer, 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 bad, bad, bad. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit, uh, the PW, I almost called it the PWHPA. I know. Uh, it's it's uh, I do it all the time. Okay, uh, but I grabbed another beer here first, and this is uh, also from Left Field down in Toronto, um, and it's their brown ale. I've never tried this one before. It is called the Ephis, as you and I kicked that word around a little bit trying to discover its origin, but uh, <laughs> failing fairly miserably. Uh, but a brown ale, and uh, I'm looking forward to trying this one. We're going to talk PWHL, and we had the draft a few weeks ago now. I thought it was tremendously well done. Like, you sort of worry sometimes about how these things get presented. Do they pinch pennies? Is it shot through someone's iPhone (laughs) 6 camera? Is it whatever? This was CBC at their best producing this thing like a top-end sports presentation should be put together. Uh I guess I probably, if I'm being honest with you, I found it to be a little bit overkill, the number of people they had come up and announce picks. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe we could move through that a little bit quicker. But everyone seemed to be having a blast. They took it seriously. They made it look like a big deal. We're now only a couple of weeks before training camp uh, opens up here in Ottawa and across the league. I'm just curious what you thought of the draft, what you thought of um, free agency and the way that process played out. Uh, and what your excitement level is here going into uh, into training camp? 
Yeah, the draft got a little boring at one point, which means it was a really well-organized professional sports <laughs> draft. Like, it's not a draft if at, you know, round seven or eight, you're not like, okay, this let's go. Um, but but that's no there's no disrespect to the actual organizers. That means no. it was perfect. Yeah. That means it was exactly what well, we how expect. How often are seven rounds televised? There, and, this and was more. Right? There was 50, yeah, 15 rounds. At some and point, you're like, all right, these are just people saying names I don't recognize. Yeah, now, right? like, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I thought it was really well done. Um, you know, having Billie Jean King there was really cool. Was cool. Having uh, Jana Hefford and Tessa Bonham. And shout out to Cassie Campbell. Cassie Campbell was more charismatic oh that day than I've ever seen God. her. <laughs> she stepped in. She had no script. She had no earpiece. She was literally filling in for Tessa uh, on a whim. And she was she got jokes, man. Like, she's hilarious. She's just throwing out references to different people in the crowd and telling stories and whatever. And just sort of like, whatever, here we are having a good yeah. time. She was fun. Whatever they captured there in terms of making her comfortable, I feel like we need to get more, like, not to discredit her broadcast, but like every broadcaster takes a while to get super comfortable. And I feel like Cassie's kind of been in that phase for a while. I know exactly what you're saying. Because I, I love, like, Cassie's insight is great, mm-hmm. but she can be a little dry. And um, I think part of that is like, have you ever looked at Twitter? When she's doing a game, yeah, it's she a, knows that what, what she knows what's being said. I don't get that. There are so many more hateable people on my TV than Cassie Campbell. Oh, I don't honestly. Know. It's yeah. all like, misogyny. Um, <laughs> there might be some of that. Yeah, but like she, I think that that maybe gets into her head a little bit because maybe. she yeah. says all the right things. But you're right. I, I I often feel like there's a bit of trepidation or like she's not super sure of what she's saying, even though what she's saying is totally valid. Right. I would love to see her in an environment where she's so comfortable like she was in the PWHL draft. They clearly just pulled her up there to like, by the way, Tess has got to go do this. You're taking over for the next couple rounds. She's like, okay. And she didn't have time to think about it, right? And just throw it I want to emphasize, like, I'm not criticizing her as a broadcaster. I know exactly what you're saying. I think she does a great job. It's just like everyone takes a while to get comfortable. This was a different Cassie than This was a different Cassie. I want to see this Cassie more. I loved it. Right. She was so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the draft, I, I I loved it. It was great. There there were so many moments that that did get a little emotional because all these players who have waited for so long to have a professional league to play and yep. finally have it, yes. and it's so wonderful to see. And um, you know, we we, I, I it was just, everything about this has been so exciting, and and I'm just really looking forward to training camps and the season getting started. And uh, the draft was just one more step in that. Were you surprised? That Marie Philippe Poulin ended up in Montreal. Shocked, I say. <laughs> Shocked. And if you can believe it, Laura Stacy too. Laura Stacy wound up there. Who knew? <laughs> I know. The the one thing that did kind of get me, and Vanessa and I talked about this, was I was oh, I wanted Natalie Spooner in Ottawa yeah. so bad, and it felt like it was possible there for a minute or it two. Did. Right? It did. Like, it was right there. It, yeah. But she had that compassionate yeah. clause that allowed her to go to Toronto. Listen, she's got a young kid. She's got a family there. Totally yes. get it. But wh- like, why? I wish they had like a separate section for the compassionate clause. Yeah, like if people. we knew that going in, even or something. Yeah. So I wouldn't have sat there going, "Pick her." Exactly. <laughs> like that shouldn't have been. Maybe she wanted to be part of the draft, and I don't know what went on behind the scenes. But like, I was, I was as a fan. Yeah. I was rooting for Natalie Spooner here, and I was super pissed we didn't get her. So the re- I asked about, I asked somebody about that as well, and it was explained to me that. Just because they want to allow Natalie Spooner, because of her family circumstance, to be in Toronto, doesn't mean Toronto should get her for free. So oh, that's she fair. has to be in the draft. Toronto actually has to use a, a pick, pick yeah. to get it done. Like so that they don't get to 
have her and then turn around and still use a pick on someone else. That's fair. That made some sense to me. But again, I learned that after the fact. And so as a viewer, you're baffled. Like, what is going on? Like, did people forget she exists? Or yeah, I, I was. Oh, and Josh is now a Toronto fan. Of course he is. Of course he is, and so he's very happy that they got Natalie Spooner. Or whatever, yeah. it's fine. Um, uh, but yeah, I. Uh, it it's all. It's going to be very interesting. We now that we know the training camp rosters. Once we have the final rosters, I think it'll be really interesting to see where Ottawa kind of falls in all of this because. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who said they didn't have the strongest draft. I disagree. I think they had a, a great draft. I just think that when you're looking at, you know, two hours down the road, you've got MPP yes. and Emron Smashmeyer, um, or John Vee of the cast. We got Emron Smashmeyer. We have Smashmeyer. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they have John Vee of the cast, yep. um, another great goalie. So I get that. Okay. Like maybe Ottawa didn't have a, a, a great draft in comparison, but, um, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what these final rosters how they play out yeah and uh, like i thought ottawa got off to uh, you know having mashmeyer frankly uh, if i'm being honest with you and i understand i am not the most informed person on on women's but that's the goalie i wanted knowing how this was all going to play out right like who was probably going to end up where there was a couple americans that you knew would stay in their home cities if they could and and these sorts of things so i was happy with that emma clark i thought was interesting good two-way kind of player number one center when you match her up against like you said, against Philippe Poulin or, you know, what Sarah Nurse is going to do down in, in Toronto and some of that. Like, Ottawa's going to have to build their team a little differently, right, in terms of how they get this done. But I, I, I'll i be honest, I didn't know as much about some of the players in the draft, but what they did in free agency with their first three, I was like, all right, I, I think this can hang. Yeah. I think this can work. So I'm excited. I They kept putting that. Uh, I'm one of those people who I, I like to tell myself I'm not easily manipulated i'm not sold right like tv commercials don't work on me but early on in the the draft they kept advertising that by the way you can go put your deposit down on tickets right for mm-hmm. when this and i kind of went, get out of here i'll when i see how this is going to play out when i see how this is all going to work i'll go get my tickets but after like the fourth or fifth i was like ah fuck it i'm just playing i put down the deposit <laughs> like, yeah why not yeah, yeah, let's like, go <laughs> i have to correct myself uh montreal has Anne renee debian yes not john v up the cast that's my my bad yeah. um i love that ottawa got brianne jenner i'll stand by it. like that was a massive shock to me that was awesome loved it she is next to mpp she's canada's next best player mm-hmm. and she is fantastic i thought for sure she lives in etobicoke she's got a young family i thought for sure she'd be in toronto yeah uh, that was an amazing surprise. And and Emily Clark, I think, flies under the radar a bit, but she's been a staple on Team Canada oh, yeah. for a long time. Yep. And I think that was a really good starting three signing for, for Ottawa. Made me really, really excited. Ottawa went heavy on the Americans they in did. the draft, which yeah. hurt my Canadian heart. <laughs> but also, let's not pretend the Americans don't have a great friggin' team, yep. too. And and I think that I, I think Ottawa is going to be sneaky. And I'm not just being biased, but I think that a lot of Canadians look at that roster. Maybe they're not as familiar with it because of the American players. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to be real sneaky. They also went with a couple of Czechi, uh, uh players from Czechia. And uh, their head coach, the coach, yeah, Carla McLeod, was the head coach of Czechia. So I think there's going to be a lot of synergy there right yeah, off the bat. familiarity with uh, what they were getting. And, and so... Um, it's also worth noting in the, the uh, training camp rosters, Ottawa invited out Michaela Grant-Matisse and Soroya Tinker, who were two of the most prominent players in the PHF. Um, mm. Michaela Grant-Matisse, I believe, was the highest paid player before the PHF folded. Oh, so like okay. that, those are a couple of pretty big names on their training camp roster as yeah. well. And that was always going to be one of the most interesting wrinkles 
in this whole thing, right, was where those PHF players slotted in, where they might be chosen, would they be chosen? Because this, let's be real, was always sort of, this was the PWHPA winning out, right? The creation mm-hmm. of this league, what they had held out for, the reason they didn't join the PHF. They were always waiting for this type of opportunity and worked hard to get it. But once it arrived, you know, would it be held against PHF players? Where would they stack up? It was interesting to see where they some sort of slotted in, right? And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that at the end of the draft, when you looked at players from the PWHPA, players from the PHF, and then like other international or col- college players, sorry, it was kind of even. Yes, it was. It wasn't a, a, there wasn't a drastic difference. And I know that there was an argument that more PHW, PHWPA players, <laughs> I can't do it, uh, p- players were chosen in the earlier rounds of the draft. But at the end of the day, like I feel like there was a pretty even playing field when you look at the kind of different sources of players. Didn't you feel like that was always sort of the deal with the PWHPA was they had the stars, right? It's not yeah. that the PHF wasn't good, but they had the bigger names. They had those top line Olympians for both the uh, Canada and the U.S. Yep. And that was what you were going to need to sell a league like this, right? To get it up and going. And so, yeah, it's not surprising at all that the PHF, once those big stars and big names had been picked up, were still going to come in and fill out those rosters and get those jobs. But yeah, they were probably going to have to wait for the big names to go off the board. Yeah, exactly. Like I always said, the PWHPA... With all due respect to the PHF, the best players in the world are not playing there. Right. And so obviously the best players in the world are going to get drafted first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are already rumors floating around about possible expansion next year. Chicago, LA are t- teams in the in the mix. I think Minnesota was a little bit of a surprise. There was an article I think Mike Russo wrote uh, in The Athletic that said it was officially uh, the last team in, but it and Ottawa were the ones that kind of made people go, oh, right? Like, weren't necessarily expecting Ottawa to be in the mix here with between Toronto and Montreal. And, and I guess Minnesota was um, the same story kind of down in the US. New York and Boston made total sense. Um, but uh, yeah, and then also Minnesota is going to be doing uh, by far more traveling than anybody else yeah. uh, this season. But I'm looking forward to it. I, I honestly, I got fired up. Uh, we had Vanessa on the show um, just before free agency opened. And I, I said to her, like, I'm, this reminds me of the way I became a fan of the Red Blacks. Like everybody knows I grew up in the GTA. I was a Leafs guy. I was a Blue Jays guy. I was an Argos guy, but I wasn't as tied to it. And so when I moved here and within a year, they announced like the Red Blacks are coming. Um, the first season is going to be next year or whatever. Like I moved up here in 2012. I think 2014 was the first year of the Red Blacks. Yeah. And I was like, I can do this. I can get on board and it won't be seen quite as much as jumping ship or being a front runner or whatever, right? Because this team doesn't exist. They're building it from the ground up and they're going to be bad, right? Yeah. Like you're not jumping to another team just because they're better. I wanted, you know, to cheer for something here in my new adopted hometown. And I knew it would never be the Senators. <laughs> this feels the same. I don't have to jump ship from anywhere, right? Like mm. say what you want. I, I the, the PHF was hard to watch. I was not a Toronto six fan. I didn't, you know, mm. This is starting up new. I'm pumped. I'm I'm anxious to get into this. Like I said, I can't wait to get tickets to the the home opener. We're on the deposit list there, and let's go. We've reached out to uh, just today on Twitter to see if we can get the uh, the GM in here, Mike Hirschbeck, I believe is his. Uh, see if we get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. So yeah, I'm pumped. 
It's very exciting. This is the first time I've been on the air since 2016, and I've never had a female sports team in the city I live in to cover. Right. And that's really, really exciting to me. Um, I covered the CWHL when they were around for a long time with the Ice Garden. And uh, I covered Le Canadien Dien specifically, okay. which was awesome. I was, on, I was on the air with that, what she said at the same time. And like, I loved covering them. I, I would consider myself, if I was going to cheer for any team, it was, it was Le Canadien. Dien. Yep. Um, and one of the things with CWHL that the PWHL is getting right is like they're paying people in full-time roles. And specifically where it impacts me and you is communications people. Yeah. And God bless the Le Canadien comms person because, like, I sent her – she was a volunteer or, like, did it on the side of her desk. Like, <laughs> this was not her main job. And I would send her media requests, and she got me interviews with Marie-Philippe Poulain and Hilary Knight and, like, all these massive, massive players on the side of her freaking desk. Right. Like, like, this was not her main job. And I'm really looking forward to, from a media standpoint, having a team that's properly resourced and funded so that we can go and get those interviews – and and have proper and information so easy. at the bottom of every press release so is the email address for you know their 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 PR people their communications people and and this is how you grow it right make yeah. it easy that for for media to reach out get this done get this covered uh, it's going to be awesome it lo- so far they haven't missed a step right yeah. they're they're doing this properly that's and that's you know, having Billie Jean King Enterprises and the owner of the LA Dodgers behind you really helps because you need money to get it off the ground. And the problem with all these uh, women's hockey leagues is they haven't been properly funded. And then people wonder why the quality of the broadcast isn't great or the coverage isn't great or, you know, quote unquote, no one cares about it. Well, like, how are you supposed to care about it when it's not marketed to you? And you don't know what to care about. It's not as simple as just being able to watch it. And even that is hard. Yes. So I think that, yeah, having proper resourcing from a marketing and communication standpoint is is going to go such a long way when it comes to actually getting bums and seats and, and eyes on TVs. So you know people, you talk to people, you're, you're tied in there. I've heard anything about a name. No, no, and I, I, I've, I've been asked this question so many times. I'm not good at puns. I'm not good at wordplay, even though that is what I do for a living. <laughs> I work in communications. I, I am not. This is not my specialty. I need Ian Mendez, yeah. to come in and 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 give us some wordplay, some puns. The one thing I have heard from like fans and and people on Twitter is like, please God, nothing about the government, okay. which I get. Also, and I don't think I, I have I, to say this. I, this lady sends nothing ladies <laughs> no ladies none of that the please. lady sends i've heard one thing that i i said that to vanessa when she was on the show a month and a half or so ago and she said i i'm out on the league immediately yeah. if it's the, a lady anything i'm out <laughs> i am very confident they wouldn't dare no. <laughs> but god please no um i've heard some people suggest an ode to the silver seven mm-hmm. of some sort there wasn't a women's hockey team here in ottawa a long long time ago and i believe they had ties to the Silver Seven. So that would be kind of cool. There's another old women's hockey team. I believe that before the women's worlds was a like real sanctioned thing, they, it still sort of happened sometimes unofficially, right? Countries would get together. I believe there was a team called the Ottawa Alerts. Okay. I don't love that. I don't know what it's a you. reference to, but okay. I don't either. Here's the thing. But we're all going to hate it. At the, hmm. at the beginning, we're like, like anytime yeah. there's a new team and what you get the a name, fuck's a red there, black. Exactly. 
exactly. Exactly. And we will accept it and we will move on. I'm not saying, okay, maybe we don't all hate it because the Red Blacks, like that was a far cry. But like we all got used to it yes. and we all go now to games. Now it's just a thing. It's, I, it's just a yeah, thing. Whatever it is, yeah. even if we don't like it, we'll get used to it and we'll cheer for it. I just, real, please don't make it gendered. Please, for the love of God, don't make it gendered. <laughs> the only time I thought that was kind of funny, you mentioned them, Lake Canadien. And I don't even mean it was funny. I thought... That's kind of neat because it's a linguistic thing, yes, right? Yes, it's, it's an easy – in French, it's very easy to make things gendered because every noun is gendered. Right. So right? instead of it being I-E-N-S for the Montreal Canadiens, it was I-E-N-N-E-S, which mm-hmm. is just the the feminine and – well, the multiple of the, – the feminine multiple of Canadians. And I was like, that's fine. I thought that was kind of neat because it's unique to the French language, right? Yes. And And you're like, I see what you did there. I see why you want to tie it to that. Canadian's a fairly well-known entity in Montreal. So I thought that was okay. But yeah, no, nothing the pink this or the lady that or the what let's... Again, it's 2023. I I really hope we don't have to deal with any of that. (laughs) The Calgary um, team of the CWHL did a really good, great job. Uh, They were called the Calgary Inferno, and they were they were directly tied to the Flames. So that's kind of a cool idea, linked a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, But but if if people are saying here nothing government, then then you can't go senators. It's hard to link to the Sens, and there isn't the same affiliation. I believe the Flames and the Inferno had like direct ties. While I see a lot of overlap with the PH PWHL and the NHL, obviously there's not like a same ownership, no, that's right. Yeah. right? So at the end of the day, whatever it is, I'll love it. And I can't wait. <laughs> Looking forward to getting a hat. So please make it cool. Please. And make them big enough for my giant head. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I don't know. Why don't we, uh, you would wanted to bring up the, uh, the, the WNBA finals. Yes, please. Uh, why don't we get into it? What's, do it. what have you seen? Well, Matt, it's been an interesting journey so far. Okay. So uh, for After those who don't know. Vegas pasted <laughs> oh okay so the las vegas aces and the new york liberty are obviously facing each other in the WNBA finals these are the two super teams this is how the script was written this is how we wanted it all to play out mm-hmm. and then the series started and vegas went up to a very easy and very quick two game lead and my prediction of new york winning and john quill jones winning the mvp was looking shady <laughs> so on sunday Game three, Vegas has a chance to win it all, win the championship. It is a best of five series. Mm-hmm. Uh, things took a turn. <laughs> John Quill Jones had herself a game. The Liberty won, and the Aces very quickly lost two of their best players in Chelsea Gray and Kia Stokes. So the tables have turned, or as mm-hmm. Michael Scott says, how the turntables. <laughs> it All of a sudden, this series that looked like it was in the bag for the Aces is in jeopardy for them right. and it could go either way i, I realize they only have the, the, the next game is is wednesday night they only have to win one game new york's got to win two but you know you lose one of your best players in chelsea gray not just from a basketball standpoint she was also kind of like backup coach to becky hammond right on the sidelines so you lose her leadership you lose her her skills um and now you're going into this game the the, the one thing with the aces despite them being so heavy up front, they don't have a lot of depth. They are a six team, a six player team. They go with the starting five and then they bring in Alicia Clark occasionally. Right. And they just lost two of their best players. And the one thing that the Liberty had going for them was they had a bit more depth. Their bench, and Marianna Johannes in particular, um, their bench are very effective. And when their bench is on, I think they're a very dangerous team. 
Also, they have Brianna Stewart and Sabrina Ionescu and John Quell Jones and Courtney Vandersloot and all these amazing players. So I the series is far from over and it just got it really looked like it was over in game one. They won by yeah. like thirty points, was it not? Like it was a blowout. Like this is going to happen fast. And then in Vegas wins game two. It's a little less of a pounding. But it's still a game you know. two was was the pounding game one was oh, a little sorry, closer. I've got that backwards. Game two was like one hundred four to seventy yeah, something. Like yeah. it was bad. Okay, so I've got that backwards. But when you're down two nothing, and that second game has been that ass kicking, you're this is going to be over. They may call it a half, right? Like in game three, and just hey, Raph, you call this now. We can all get home in time for Melrose. Is one of my favorite quotes from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> um, but now all of a sudden, there's a pulse here. And for a few reasons, right? New York gets up off the mat. As you said, Vegas loses some key players. And all of a sudden, oh, shit, like we have a series. And that's what you really want. In a championship, you don't want to see somebody get pounded fast and, you know, just get swept right out. Let's see a war here. Let's see this go the distance. And all of a sudden, that's on the table. Yeah, that's what I said last week. I said, please, New York, just make this a series. Right. Make it interesting. Because as much as, you know, it, it, it's been really great to watch Vegas's like, pure domination the, the game that they lost on Sunday was their first game they lost in this entire playoffs and that's wildly <laughs> impressive and part of me wanted to see them just sweep the sure. entire playoffs right yeah but at the same time like that's not what you want when you have the two super teams in the final you want to see a series you want to see some competition and Especially thankfully with ratings everything has been up this year like give yeah cap this story off with a war not a mm-hmm. Do you think back to some of the best series, like you know the Seattle Storm, Phoenix Mercury over the years? Like those are ga- those are series that went the distance. Those are series that went down to the wire. Usually ended with a Super Three. Just saying. <laughs> um, there is your quintessential Super. I didn't reference. think we would ever get through a whole episode without one. So there it is. Not. We- there it is. By the way, yesterday was her birthday. Happy Super. I Day saw that. Celebrate probably on your Twitter. <laughs> yep. I am here for your Sue Bird fun facts. Um, but yeah, those are the series you remember. And those are the series that get the, the you know etched in history. So I hope that that's what we see from this one. Already, we're I think we're on the way there. Nice. Well, I'd be remiss. Uh, if we, we should talk about the Sens since you're here. And, well, uh, may as well. Yeah, the start that they're off to. Um, you know, a tough one against Carolina. But Carolina is a very, very good team. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they come home. The home opener... The opening ceremony I mentioned on an earlier pod couldn't have been done a whole lot better. Um, And the only drawback, and it's probably really only a drawback for Pierre Dorian, was the We Want Pinto chance. Oh, baby. That's uncomfortable, right? Oh, yeah. The new bosses are in the building. Steve Steos is here. Michael Anlauer is here. There's not a hole big enough for Pierre Dorian to crawl into during that moment. And the camera went right to him. Of course. So awesome on the fans, like no problem there. But Dorian maybe didn't love that moment. Uh, And then Sunday they go out, beat Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden after, you know, they were 0-1 and there's already people that go, I don't know if they should assign Tarasenko. I don't know. And we'll see what happens. It's a long season. But all of a sudden you get two wins and all that. They're fucking winning it all. Let's go. Right. And so Wednesday they have a game against Washington at home. That's a winnable game. I'm curious what you think. Um, what your impressions have been after the first couple games for the Sens? I mean, the home opener, aside from the Pinto chance, which you're right, like we're the one kind of black mark uh, or or bad mark on this day. I don't know what the word is, but um, they could. And again, like I want to frame, like for me, I don't blame the fans. Like, no, do it that up, was right? great. Like, like, tell, I bet you do want Pinto. Like, hell you should yeah. care for that. But yeah, there's mo- there are people in the building who kind of like, 
Damn, we were almost perfect. <laughs> no, but the home opener just hit the mark on so many in, in so many different ways, right? Like Alfie being there, yeah. get, giving Giroux the silver stick for his thousand points before and his family being there. Yeah. Uh, Lyndon Slewage being back. Like, come on. <laughs> I I was losing my damn mind. Uh, like uh, the Sens fan in me just was was completely coming out. And right. yeah, they you know what? They, again, you're playing against Philly. You better win. But they played well. <laughs> they, they won a winnable game. Mm-hmm. You know, Tampa comes in, division rival. I wouldn't call it a winnable game, and they won it, and that's great. Um, it, it, I, I wasn't worried at all about the Carolina loss because, like, you're going up against a cup contender for your opening and their home season. opener without yeah. two of your top three centers. Like, it's gonna, it, it's fine. That was gonna happen. And frankly, it looks like Norris is is just about ready. Like on Tuesday, as you and I are sitting here and talking, he, he he was he was on the power play drills yeah. at practice. Looks like he's close. Still no word about or anything on uh, on Pinto. But if you're going to roll into Carolina with, I'm sorry, but Chartier and, and excuse me, uh, Greg as your two and three centers, you're going to get rolled by Carolina yeah. pretty often. right? That, so, that felt natural. Right, exactly. <laughs> so so get these guys back in the lineup and, and, and you'll be fine. But yeah, that Carolina team on their home opener, they're going to be fired up. It wasn't a a huge cause for concern, but no. there were a lot of people showing that concern. Of anyway. course, it's it's, it's silly season, fandom. right? Yeah, like it's course. overreaction. I only season. have let's one go. game to react to. I'm going to react to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> let's do it. And yeah. and I know that there are a lot of people rightfully so upset about the whole Shane Pinto cap situation that the Sens find themselves in mm-hmm. because we're not used to this. Yeah. We are not used to the Sens being up against Trying the cap. To get to the floor. Instead. And more importantly, Pierre Dorian is not used to the Sens no. being up against cap. The cap is easy to manage when you're not up against it yeah the when you're up against it that's where you require some you require an expert on your team a brandon Prinham, if you will Mm -hmm. who can be like yeah you can get away with this you can't do this you can do this this is what i recommend right the sens have never had to do that they've never had to have that guy the sens have never had a robota island that they could banish people exactly (laughs) this is and i'm not making excuses because i do think that as a gm you should be able to do your job right and that is what if I give Tarasenko this five million dollars, I will have zero dollars and zero cents to sign. Yeah, it is your our basic number two center, math number three question center. from yeah. grade three. But like, I also this is his first time doing it, and and while I think that you know he's also been in the role for six years, and should you know his leash isn't exactly super short. He's also not had an average six years as a GM no, he here not. in Ottawa, right? Under Eugene Melnick, he was only allowed to do so much uh, after the Melnick era. We saw him get a little more freedom. And now in this new Michael Anlauer era, you know, let's see what he can do. But learning how to manage the cap is definitely going to be, um, it's, it is task number one. And, and it's ridiculous that it took us to the season. I really wish they had gotten this figured out in the summer. What I hope I they do. I never thought we'd get here. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of love for the job that Pierre Dorian's done, and even with the circumstances that he's been under. Yeah, I, but I, I still fair. didn't think he would get this far and not have this done. I yeah. figured, and it, the cap still you existed. Signed, you may not have been up against it, right. but it still existed. And if you sign Pinto today, he's got to come in. He's not like he's going to take a little time to get up to speed, right, and get some practices under his belt. He's missed all of camp, which never pans out well, especially for young players. And so you're throwing him in, when, even when he is ready, at not quite what he should be. Now, he will get there. 
right? He'll will he will catch up, but you're throwing this guy into a race that's already started, right? Yeah. Uh, these all these cars are already at full speed, and he's going to have to catch up a little. So this is far from, um, a, you know, an ideal situation. Even once they get him done, which I was going to say, I can't imagine is too far down the road, but like I, said, I didn't think we'd get this far. So what the it, hell do I know? Exactly. <laughs> and and yeah, no, I think it's a fair point. Like, I don't, I don't think Pierre Dorian is absolved of anything right. here. Like you still are an NHL GM and you should know how to do your job. And ideally, yeah. ideally that is, you know, the basic <laughs> requirements of this. Um, so it's, it's, it's an, I'm not going to lie as a sense fan, it's very new territory for yeah, me because yeah. I'm not used to my team being up against just the cap. throwing money around all willy nilly. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I, I will add just on a personal note. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is the first season in a very long time that I have been able to watch this season purely as a fan. Because I, I, I used to do the Sens pregame shows, and not that I was doing every one, but like I was on TSN 1200 from a Sens perspective a lot more than I am now. Sure. And I was always, it became kind of work. And I don't know if you know this, but it's been kind of a tough couple of years for the Sens. Yeah. And it got, yeah. it got really friggin' hard and painful at times to like watch this team and keep up on everything that was going on. When when you look at it as a job, it's not as much fun. And because I'm I'm strictly you know focusing on women's sports now with TSN, and, and I love that, and that's great. 100%. I feel like I'm able to look at this team more from a fan perspective for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. And and adding to that, new ownership, new era, all the excitement that comes with that. This is I haven't felt this way as a fan in a very long time. It's really funny that you bring that up because even on a podcast like this, where we just sit and have beers and talk sports, and I've never shied away from from it at all. I am a Leafs fan. I'm a Jays fan. Like mm-hmm. I I still want to watch these teams. But it's funny because you do get to a point. Like I always used to think these broadcasters who said, "Well, it stops being." about your fandom and it's just part of the business. I, I always would go, you're full of shit. Deep down somewhere, you're still a fan of one of these teams, whatever, whoever you might be, right? You do sort of get to a point where, like, I just talked about, like, the Jays. The Jays had a terrible, like, whatever. We don't have to go down this road, but the Jays had, as far as wins go, a slightly below expectation season. They were still a good team, but not as good as they should have been. But it was a miserable season to yeah. watch. And so... I still watched all the time. Then I would come do this show. We'd have guests on and talk about it. And by the time after that, I'd go out and meet up with friends and they'd go like, what do you think about something? I'd be like, I don't, I don't like it. It stopped being fun a little bit, right? Like it started to be more that you're trying to watch this more analytically or more. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, 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 yeah it's it, just different. It's just a different vibe. And I, this isn't. You know, I'm above anything else. I'm still a fan. I still chip, but you just reach your limit faster or something yeah. because it becomes a chore. Yeah, it's not a little as much bit. fun. A little bit. And I will say, I think the way that media is shifting. You know, I referenced the Steve Dangle podcast earlier. Like, I think holding on to your fandom is a a great thing, mm-hmm. and I think that we should do that more. And again, like, I'm not a reporter, right? So I I, I get that it's a different Certainly perspective I'm when not. you're a reporter. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely on it. But like, you know, I like when people inject their fandom in podcasts and in the new way that people are consuming media like i think the days of i have to remain neutral and not react to anything are over yeah as long as people understand what they're listening to i i'm not giving you unbiased leafs opinion i'm a fan of the leafs i'm either pissed at them right now or they're winning it all this year right exactly there's no way between right so i'm not trying to to say anything about professionalism or this and that, but you do sort of sometimes just get to a point where you're like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm exactly. sick of these guys or whatever. Exactly. So I think uh, Sens fans have every right to to be excited. And if 
if they're going to continue down this road, and I don't know how many more cards there are to play, but the Andlauer Presser was done really well. Mm-hmm. Even the Steos, to a, it was a smaller deal, but that was done really well. You bring Alfie out, um, you know, just to practice first and then at the opening ceremony, have him be part of it. As you said, even Lyndon Sluid, like all these things that make people go, damn, that was really cool, right? I don't know how many of those are left in the pocket, but if you were trying to keep the buzz, the, the, the momentum, the excitement up, they've done as well as they possibly could to start the season to, to really kind of kickstart this and the wins, you know, don't hurt either. You're sitting here right now at at two and one and and they looked pretty good to both home games. So that's upsetting to me as a fan, (laughs) but they are hitting all the right notes at the moment. Yeah, no, it's going really well. I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, Shrides, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter if I approve your follow because I made my <laughs> tweets protected. Uh, more call. on that later. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. You can find me on Instagram at the same handle. And you can find my craft beer takes on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital. Um, you can also listen to She's Got Game on the TSN radio network wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. And... The Mouchoir Podcast. The Mouchoir Podcast. Yes, of course. We have if, done our last episode of the season, oh. but you can go listen to Jeanine and I eulogize the Red Black season uh, yeah. in our latest episode. Yes, perfect. I appreciate you coming in. Like I said, it's it's been a while. Maybe it was August. Maybe it was February. We don't know. Who but uh, it's always fun when you actually come in here and we can do these face-to-face and have a pint. So I'm glad you came in. Thanks Thank for making for the time. Uh, Lever Sage will be here Thursday morning. Lever. Steve Bunda and probably Graham Creech Graham on Friday Creech morning. Cres- question mark? Yeah, that's how we're going <laughs> to... It's like the. Uh, it's I'm Ron the, Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like the black mystery head with the question mark, but it's not like that at all. I'm telling you, it's the name. Yeah, I'm telling you who, who it, is. it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I blew that pretty bad. So let's just limp on out of here and, and wind this one down. Thanks for coming in, Shrides. My name's Matt Robinson. We are on social media at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're following the podcast on uh, whatever app you're hearing us on right now, and uh, we'll see you Thursday morning with Lever Sage. Lever. What was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?